Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Normally, BJ, I've been coming into the show hot, you know, with the traditional intro, and it's kind of like, you know, our layup lines. But today, I'm just coming in smiling, up 2-0 on Philly. Just, I'm just smiling. And I'll tell you why. I was so, I'm still bummed Gordon Hayward is out, as are all Celtics fans. And if you're a fan of, Seeing guys come back from injury, you hate to see them hit these hurdles, and hopefully Gordon will be back in a month. But to see this team come together around a little adversity early in the playoffs against a quote-unquote rival, which is what Philly traditionally is, and for guys like Ennis Cantor, who hasn't been very good lately, uh, for guys like Romeo Lankford and Brad Wanamaker, and Semi Ojale to play their roles and Kemba to have a nice game and Tatum and Brown do what they do. Uh, and of course, Marcus Smart continuing to shoot 10% from three but make all the other plays. It just feels good. It just feels good. Pure Hoops Podcast, NBA Playoffs. We are in it. Eric Newman, New York, BJ Armstrong, LA. My man, you've been smiles lately, which is great. It means we're having fun. Uh, I had to catch myself during game two. Yeah, you, you myself, really do. Right now, well, no, right now. Like, <laughs> oh, right Eric, now. Right I'm, now. I'm, okay. Yeah. You're a little bit too comfortable right now. You're a little oh, bit I'm very comfortable. comfortable. I'm very, very comfortable. comfortable. You know why I'm comfortable? I'm comfortable because the Celtics came out ready for a street fight last night. And the moment they imposed their will on the game, Philadelphia just faded away. And there's no home court advantage to go to in Philadelphia. You're in this dystopian sci-fi NBA playoff bubble. Um, how are you today, my friend? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Um, not as well as you. You're a little comfortable. I'm always comfortable being uncomfortable. Of course. So of there's course. a lot of basketball to be played. Absolutely. A lot of things. I'm getting used to this new playoff playoff format especially with these neutral courts and kind of getting used to it so yeah you know it's a new experience this is a great playoff experience for me because it's all brand new and i love the way the coaches are coaching i love the way the players are playing and it's a total new adjustment and um so it's, it's been great to watch these first two games but certainly you must know something the rest of us don't know because you're feeling really good right now. And it's amazing how things can change very quickly, my friend. 
Oh, I'll, I'll be a, a ball of stress again in 24 hours uh, over <laughs> over this in the in the most fun and entertaining of ways. But building on what you were just saying, this new tone and tempo and all the things we're used to, home court advantage, uh, the days off in between games, the media commitments the travel from site to site when the series shifts from Boston to Philly or from LA to Portland or wherever, all of that's out the window. And it's just hoop, watch film, get your rest, get your treatment, prep, rinse and repeat. And it's, um, it's, it's really, really interesting. And I'm still adjusting to the fact that uh, on Thursday afternoon, as we're taping this, we're already in the midst of game two of, uh, uh, of playoffs during the day. So for us, lifelong uh, hoop heads, whether you played it, coached it, cover it, or just love it, this has been uh, a, a welcomed addition to, um, what are we in now? Month, March, April, May, June, July, month sixth. Uh, amongst, excuse me, month six of this new world we're in. So uh, six-month anniversary. We get playoff basketball all day. Congratulations. Yes, it is. And there's still a lot that's going on. I I think this has been interesting to watch, and I'm going to just continue to watch. And uh, some really good games here uh, as we're, you know, as we're, we're going into what really game two, game three for, you know, some of these teams, or I guess we'll be coming up here shortly, but it's been yeah. fun thus far and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. So we, this drops Friday. So we'll be taking you into the weekend. Um, not to say we're ignoring anything, but the way we're going to talk about stuff obviously is time sensitive to Friday and looking ahead. But, you know, I've got to say as, as much as you're being um, safe, and prudent <laughs> and two games very, you're already <laughs> and very no 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 and very very efficient as you were as a player let me say this you're the one that threw the jason tatum mvp item out there you're the guy that okay. put your name I, I to wanna, it I wanna, yeah. and i wanted to start there today with what you're seeing from him against philly and specifically in game two, because they tried doing so many different things defensively to slow down the Celtics, and Philadelphia couldn't do anything to slow down your man, Jason Tate. Right. Well, the way the game is played now, it's it's a game where it's two things happening at the elite level. Right? When I say the elite level, the guys who are playing and scoring at a pace 25 points and above. So what do you do, right? Uh, we're not playing what we would consider in the yesteryear where you would play team basketball. Team basketball in the sense that you would come down, you run a play, you would have team concepts pinned down, so forth and so on. What you're seeing now is two things happening. Isolation basketball, which he is terrific at, and you play screen roll basketball, which he is one of the best because he can take advantage of mismatch basketball, okay? Now, does that sound the same as James Harden? Does that sound the same as <laughs> Damian Lillard, TJ Warren, Devin Booker, <laughs> Donovan That's Mitchell? That's the formula. Yep. That's the formula. It's the way the game is played, okay? With his size at 6'8", 6'9", 
he has already figured out how to play winning basketball because they have a good enough team, in particular in the East. And he's going to win a minimum, I'm just guessing, who knows, of 50-plus games. So when you add up 25 points at the minimum from here, he's going to score 25 a night. He can just do that probably in his sleep. He's going to score 25. He's going to get 50, 55 wins. He's going to be in the Eastern Conference. He'll probably be one or two, depending on what have you. His name will be in the race <laughs> next year. And if he yep. has one of those, if he puts together a two or three month span like he did prior to this break, Ooh. he will be at the front of the list. He's beginning now to pick, pick up as we speak where he left off prior to the break. That's just what I see. You see his confidence developing over getting what you see his confidence. You know, he's beginning to do this over and over again. And then the one thing that he's doing, which I saw him in the, in the summer last summer, was it last summer? Yeah. I think when they played in the USA, team USA, yep. A year team ago. USA, yep. He's beginning to understand team defense and the concept of defense. He had a key block, I think in game one or game two, whatever. And you're starting to see him really take on the leadership because once you see a player averaging 25 plus and he contributes to winning and then suddenly he begins to assert himself on the defensive end, you have the makings of a special player. That's what you see. Now, why did I say that? It's because he's just playing it. It's, it's, this isn't a formula. I don't even think I'm making a projection is what I'm saying is no, it's what is you making, see. It's, it's your, it's your eye test. Yeah. 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 It's not even, I, he's just making progress. Like when you, if you get a guy right now and say he's averaging over 25 a night, you're winning 50 to 55 plus games and he's given an effort on the defensive end. That's a very special player. That's a, yep. everybody in the league would take that. So, you know, I see him, he's at that age where he has the energy to do it. And if he's going to take the next step, provided Giannis stays in the Eastern Conference, he's going to have to play the game at that level because Giannis could be, by season's end, two-time MVP. And everyone is trying to reach that level. So, you know, I, I, I like Jason Tatum. I like what he's doing. And I see no... I. What I've seen is when you see people take little steps in their game, then that's when you know you got something. And you're seeing him right now take a huge step in his game, not on the offensive end, but defensively is where I've been most impressed with him because he's given an effort. If there's one part of his game I thought he could really, you know, really improve is there. And I love the fact when I see young players in particular open themselves to be coached and it's not criticism it's just you know that's part of it if he's going to be that player he's going to have to be a better defensive player and he's done it he's shown it and he's given the effort to do it what brown tatum and smart present defensively makes this team um a lot of fun to watch aside from the obvious uh offensive flow when they've got it going. And one thing about Tatum that also impresses me to build on everything you said is that when it's time for Kemba Walker to cook, when it's time for Jalen Brown to get his, Tatum is setting them up the best he can. 
He's emotionally encouraging them. He is not about his shots first. He's not about his touches first. He's about winning. And that's what has me so excited about what happened in game two and where this team is going. Because a year ago, in last year's playoffs, this vibe was not there. It did not exist. It was there two years ago when they went to the conference finals. It wasn't there last year. It's back. And hopefully Gordon Hayward's ankle heals quickly and this team can uh, make a real run at it here in the East. Um, One more thing. And part of me is doing this because of my um, distaste for Philadelphia 76ers fans. Part of it is part of me is doing this because we always have fun on this topic. But BJ, if you're Philly, how do you reason with the 2017 draft and deciding to trade up from three to one and trade an additional lottery pick later to then take Fultz when you could have had Tatum? Because can you imagine a world where Ben Simmons is running the floor with Jason Tatum and Joel Embiid is in the paint? I mean, I just I just can't fathom what they were thinking about by letting this guy forget go to the Celtics, but like you're scouting on Fultz versus Tatum and the fit and need for your team. I just I don't know if you're Philadelphia how you you get over oh. this. With everything, everything's going so wrong for them right now. And I know you have the perspective of player, front office, and what you do now. Like, how do you make sense of this? Well, you know, when you're, unfortunately, when you're, you play in this league, and I was an executive in this league. And I'll always go back to one of the most valuable lessons I learned as an executive, which was the following. You haven't scouted until you've made a mistake. And it's so easy to look back and say, coulda, woulda, shoulda, oughta. And, but when you look at these players, there are far and few in between players in which in scouting terms, which are standalone players. doesn't matter where you could drop them off. You know, you could have dropped Magic Johnson off anywhere. You could have dropped... Larry Bird, anywhere. You could have dropped LeBron James. They're just standalone players. They're just, it doesn't matter. Sometimes things come together for you. And as a coach once told me, you're not as good as you think you are, but you're not as bad as they say you are. <laughs> you're somewhere in between there. Yeah, yeah. You're somewhere in between there. And... I've just always remembered these little nuggets along the way. And when you're a young player, it's very important that you're allowed to play through your mistakes. It's very important that you're allowed to play and figure out who you are, who you could be. And hopefully you'll get a coach, a team that, you know, that will fit your skill set, right? Because when you come into this league, you know, you really don't have a choice. I was very fortunate when I came into this league. My very first coach was a Hall of Fame coach. The guy that I lined up with, which I had no idea, I wish I would have, that was going to perhaps be classified as the greatest player to ever play. 
So I played for a Hall of Fame coach who ended up winning 11 championships. And, and the guy I was lining up next to was perhaps the greatest player to ever play the game. That's a different you a scenario. De- you had a, you had a, I mean, you had a decent situation as stuff. Yeah, yeah so, but that's yeah. different than coming into a situation where, you know, you're a struggling team or you're coming into, you know, it's, they had a, a, a thing up there called trust the process. That's a totally yeah. different scenario. Yeah. You don't no. know how people are going to respond. So sure. for Jason Tatum, this has been a magnificent environment for him, his growth, his development, and he has ascended throughout all of this now to be the face of an organization, of a franchise. Yep. I don't know yep. how and that can, works. And you can say the same for Jalen Brown, and you say the same for Marcus for, Smart. They could have ended up in different places, not be brought along the right way. And I feel terrible for Markel Fultz. I'm thrilled he's with the team now and is in a starting lineup in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah, it just, you just don't know, you know, and suddenly you take Markel Fultz, who I'm assuming, like all of us saw, he was the lead guard in college. You take the ball out of his hand, you put it in Ben Simmons' hands, and now he's forced to do something. I'm just guessing. I have no idea. Yeah. He's probably never had to play without the ball in his hands. Okay, now he gets traded, figures out what's going on, gets the ball back in his hand, and suddenly Marco Fultz has an amazing game in his first playoff game, and they beat the number one seed, which is the Boston Celtics. I mean, which they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks. Yep. yep. So you got to hang in there when you play in this league because there's go- you're not as good as they say you are, but you're not as bad. Mm-hmm. As they say, you are. And you just hang. Back. You just hang in there. What I love about players like Markel Fultz is the persistence that he has displayed as a young kid. Because it's easy to get down on yourself. It's easy if you have a couple good games to start feeling great about yourself. But the kid has something in him, and that's what I yep. love about a young kid. Markel Fultz has talent, and the reason he was drafted where he was drafted is because, make no doubt about it, he's a very, very talented player. Now he just has to get his rhythm, get his pace. Hopefully someday he'll it'll get where it'll be his team, and he'll have an opportunity to display what we all saw, what we all saw as a collegiate sure. player. I mean, he was putting up some magnificent numbers. Putting up and big numbers in a tough conference. Wasn't on a very good team, but he was doing what he needed to do. Yeah. Without and a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. So, you know, that's the NBA. That's the life of the NBA. You know, we, sure. you know, so I, I get it. I understand. I'm going to roll with it. But because I've been in that position and I've scouted before <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always humbled by scouting Men- because we all miss Kawhi Leonard. We all miss Steph Curry. Giannis. Giannis. We we could all sit here and pretend we've all missed. You know, there's been a lot of great players that have come through this league that have gone in second round, not drafted. So I get it. Now, until you've missed, then you haven't scouted before. (laughs) Love it. Love it. And we'll we'll do a show on your scouting hits and misses uh, during the offseason, which I look forward to. 
Manu Ginobili was the 57th pick in the NBA draft. Which you is know, amazing. a player there in Boston, Isaiah Thomas. He was the last pick. Yeah, last pick, round. 60. 60. Oh. And, and the environment that we talk about with Brown and Tatum, and obviously Smart was there before Isaiah, but Isaiah deserves so much credit for the continued success right? Um, because of what he brought. And a guy that added to their success who made a terrible mistake, and I'll end this part of the conversation, he made a terrible mistake. Yes, he made a financially beneficial decision for him and his family, but Al Horford, it's been nice seeing you in the playoffs. I hope you have a great off season. I know you've yeah, been, it, you're, you're- I'm gonna say this about Al. I'm gonna say this about yeah. Al Horford. I'm gonna say this, say this about Al Horford. When Al Horford came in this league, Al Horford, had really settled into a very unique space in the NBA. He was always an undersized center. And he's always yeah. played, you know, it's one of the hardest things to, one of the hardest things to scout is an undersized player. Like Ben Wallace, mm. uh, Al Horford. Draymond Green. Good. Draymond Green. Why? Because there's an art to playing as an undersized player. Like P.J. Tucker. People say, oh, he's only 6'5". No, he's not 6'5". He's mastered the art of playing like an undersized player. It's just, I played with the player who gave me this insight. His name was Cliff Livingston. Cliff Livingston was an undersized player, but he, he understood how to play as the undersized player. When I saw Dwayne Wade play for the first time, he was only like 6'3", just like I'm watching Donovan Mitchell. But they understand how to play like an undersized player. That's what messes, that's what messes you up. So Draymond Green, for instance, you'll see everything, well, he's not tall enough. Well, he doesn't, he's not fast enough. Well, he doesn't jump high enough. But he's mastered the art. There is a, there's an art to doing it. Ben Wallace mastered the art. Dennis Rodman was only mm. like 6'7 or 6'8, but he understood how to play like an undersized player. I don't and know we're where forgetting, you're forgetting. We're forgetting the ultimate, Charles Barkley. But Barkley. I, I know All exactly where you're going here. So, yeah. Yeah. So, back to Horford. Back that, to Horford. Yeah. Yep. So, how does this go back to Horford? Al has been a, always been an all star in his career as an undersized five. Mm -hmm. The problem is you're, you have him playing a position where that's not his strength. Nope. His strength is playing as an undersized five because if you put him as an undersized five, defensively, I have no idea because it doesn't look right on paper. He can play against Joel Embiid. He can play against all of these guys who are bigger than him, probably stronger than him, but he understands that. I don't know what it is. Because I would ask Cliff Livingston. I would always ask these guys, like, how do you do that? They'd be like, I don't know. They just know how to play. They know angles. They. But if you ask Al to play against Al was great playing against it. He was great against playing against Embiid. And he, he was one of the guys, at least on an island against Giannis, would make him do something he wasn't necessarily he, he, comfortable he, with. So... He understands that. Now, if you, in my opinion, if you put him at the five, the yeah. Al Horford that you saw in the previous years, he will return back to that. Because why? 
because as an undersized player, he's much more comfortable. I have no idea. I don't know how it works. I learned it when I was scouting, and it was one of those things where I made my fair share of mistakes because you miss those guys. You always yeah. miss those guys. You know, that's how Donovan Mitchell got to the Jazz. Oh, he's only 6'2". Can he play the two? Can he play the point? We don't know what he is. And all of a sudden, well, how did we all miss a guy who can get 57 points in a playoff? Uh, I game? have I have no idea how they missed this kid. I'm I, Listen, I, I refer to this every once in a while. Like, you know, I've got four months of AAU film on this kid when he's 15 years old and nobody knew who he was. And he was doing he was doing things athletically on the basketball court that you just, I, I'd be viewing it, this was early in my career as a producer and a director, so I was doing everything. I'd be viewing it through the viewfinder, and I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna have to watch that back later to see if he just double clutched in the air, yeah. waited till the guy landed, waited till he almost hit the ground, but was strong enough to flip it up and in off the glass with English. Like, he was doing things at that level where People would ask me, they're like, who on this team that you're so excited about has a shot? And I'm like, this kid, Donovan Mitchell, who's going to be transferring to prep school, him and this kid from Westchester, from Dobbs Ferry, Eric Paschal, you're going to see these kids play Division One basketball on television and then see what happens. And, so, um, yeah. So, well, Don, I, I, Donovan's I, I, unbelievable. But Al, to tie in Al and what you said about scouting, it's a huge mistake. I mean, what a huge mistake they made thinking – you could take him away from his strength. And you know why they did it. They did it because they wanted to be big. They wanted to be versatile. They wanted to take him away from a rival. And they wanted a guy to slow down Giannis. But him and Embiid on the floor, it just continues to not work. Yeah, well, it's not to say that he can't do it. It's not, oh, listen. It's not to say that he can't, yeah, it's not to say that he can't do it. There's so many things that goes in when I look at the team, when I look at their team, okay. When I look at their team, there's, there's two glaring things that just jump out, jump right out at me. One is the spacing on the floor. Okay. Yep. You have Ben Simmons at the point guard position. Who's not a three point shooter. You have Joel Embiid is a low post player. There's no place for Al to work. Yes. This isn't Al's problem. There's just no place. So every guard, myself included, understands when you play with a big, that means you can't drive to the basket. Why? Because that guy is always going to be at the basket. All right. So if I put Joel Embiid on the the Houston Rockets, I guarantee you that James Harden, who's the leading scorer in this league, his average is going to go down. Why? Because he won't have the option that he currently has, which is he'll drive, he'll step back, he'll dribble, because the defender will know that there's always someone at the basket. So that's the difference of playing. That's why Giannis is so difficult to guard. Why is he difficult? Everyone's talking. Giannis is a marvelous player. He's a very unique talent. But you know what? The the key to their 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 team, which no one discusses, but everyone that has to defend Giannis understands it. Giannis is very difficult to guard, is because they have what I consider, 
the first stretch five in the NBA. So you got a guy who's seven foot with a little handle who can cover space in basically one dribble. And the other tallest guy on the floor is standing out at the three-point line guarding the other team's five. Brooke Lopez just dragging your five out of the lane. If Brooke Lopez couldn't shoot, Giannis' efficiency as a player would significantly drop. So when you start looking at these teams and who's successful, again, we're just looking at numbers. But you start looking at the game and you're going, where is Al Horford going to function with this group? There's no pick and pop. Well, I'm just going under on Ben Simmons. (laughs) So there's no switch. There's no advantage. he, he made a living on pick and pop with the Celtics. He made a living on playing Wait, the point five with dribble handoffs, off, back cutting the whole door. thing. And so so now he's in he's not in his comfort zone. This it this is this is just figuring out how to get this now. Wait, maybe they have something in Tyler. Clearly, I don't know. I'm not in the Philly locker room and I'm not saying this is right or this is wrong. What I'm saying is is that when you're looking at the team, I just start looking at where are these where, where are you guys going to operate? Yeah. Right? So if you got a guy who's going to drive to the basket, attack the basket, I can't put a center, a low post player, with a guard. Every guard knows that. If I play with a wing player, a la Scottie Pippen or Michael, you better surround them with John Paxson, Steve Kerr, B.J. Armstrong, these guys. Why? So you can create space. So – so now I start looking at where guys are operating at. And then you start saying, okay, this is why it's successful or it's not. Al right now just doesn't have his normal or where he's comfortable operating. Trust me. You don't forget how to shoot threes. Trust me. Yep. You don't yep. forget how to shoot corner threes. And you don't forget how to play. Right now, it's a, it's a difference when you play a screen role with a Kyrie Irvin or a Kimber Walker or a Jason Tatum than playing with a Ben Simmons. It's just a different ball game. And everyone has their strengths and weaknesses as a player. No player is perfect. And he just needs time to figure out his comfort zone. And, you know, he's a pro. That's the one thing. Guys like him, Al Horford, he's a pro. He's a pro's pro. And the thing I love about him and I – and I think, you know, if I worked in that league, I would look, I always look at guys who, who make excuses. I haven't heard Al Horford say one thing all year. That's a pro. That's a pro. He knows, he knows this and the team knows this and they're yep. trying to figure out. And that's probably why one of the moves, they probably put Ben Simmons at the four, you know, unfortunately he got hurt Ben uh, for them. Cause I think he would have made a difference in the series. Well, I didn't mean to spend so much time on Al Horford, but you make a lot of good comments, and pretty soon Al will have the necessary time off with his Philadelphia teammates <laughs> to figure out what they need to do for next season. All right, rapid fire here, buddy, for here on out. Um, by the time you're listening to this, the Laker-Portland series will be 1-1 or 2-0 Portland. So either way, the Lakers are in a series right now with this team. Um, what's the one thing in your eyes they've got to figure out and figure out quickly, the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, I mean, I think the obvious is is how to contain these guards. 
especially in this environment. This this format, I think, is they're adjusting. And when I say they, the L.A. Lakers are adjusting to this new format of playing playoff basketball in this bubble environment. Unfortunately for them, you know, and I said this at the start of, of the return, bound in the bubble, they were going to miss Avery Bradley, and they were going to miss, and clearly with the injury to Rajon Rondo, they're missing two players who can do, to me, two important ingre- two important things that you need with, with any team. You need people who can initiate the offense. You know, defensively, you know, they have shot blockers, they have rim protectors, they have athleticism. But the thing that they're missing most is LeBron James is asked to do the following. He has to score. He has to defend. He has to organize the game and he has to initiate the offense for a significant amount of time with this team because they don't have another guy who can actually organize and initiate the offense a la a Rondo or a la mm-hmm. an Avery Bradley. And that is the thing they're going to have to figure out. So LeBron James right now, in my opinion, is he is putting up marvelous numbers, right? Which he's going to do because he has the ball the majority of the time. But where he's, what he has to really have a delicate balance, and to me it's, it's almost impossible, is he's going to have to score a substantial amount of numbers. If he gets 24, 25 points and 10, 11 assists and 10, 11 rebounds, that's not going to cut it. He's got to be 35, 38, 40 points because he can't allow the game to actually get away from them when he or Anthony Davis isn't on the floor because the three ball, my friend, is a real thing. Dame Lillard can come down as they did. They can come down and make four or five threes in a row, and suddenly that's a 15-0 run and five shots with this team. You saw that that in the fourth quarter. You hit it on the head. So now LeBron James, for me, he's got to score 35-plus. AD's got to score 30-plus. And then we can figure out the rebounds and the assists and all of the other things. Because if this game gets away and they get down 10, Dame Lillard will extend the game and C.J. McCullough will extend the game because now you start scrambling. And that's when those guys are at their best. And they have a guy, Nurkic, who can finish at the basket. But the thing he does as well as anyone is I love bigs who can catch the ball on the move and swing it, get it to the other side. And the big fella is his skill. So when the defense starts scrambling for them, now Melo is sitting over there ready to spot up. Now their other guys are ready to, you know, this kid, this this kid, uh, Gary Trent Gary Jr. Trent. has been playing terrific. And that's the that's the space of the game that I'm looking for. Because if you spread this game out, the Lakers can't play that game. They don't have the personnel to be running around, flying around. But as long as they can control the tempo and do those things. So, you know, I, 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 I'm expecting LeBron to come out assert himself on the offensive end but again he's got to do all the other things which we'll see you know and and I think he understands it he's been in enough battles I think the coaches understand it and if I'm Portland I'm just trying to get a lead as early as I can because if you can get a lead early like they established there in the first quarter 
it's going to be hard yeah. for the Lakers to play the, at the tempo they want to play to win this game, let alone this series. Yep, should be very interesting as we see what happens in game two. And by the time we're talking again, which uh, something tells me we're going to be coming on uh, early next week for a double dip because this series is going to get very, very interesting aside from how it started. Uh, Nurkic and Whiteside not just meeting the challenge of Davis, McGee, and Howard, but outplaying them on both ends in game one, uh, also a huge key and something to monitor as we move forward. Staying out west, rapid fire, the Jazz, an impressive response in game two. They lose game one. Donovan has 57 points. They lose in overtime. It's a gut-wrenching loss. And then they come back in game two, and they have their way with Denver. So my one question with you, give me a one-minute answer here. Will Denver be able to uh, survive this series? Will Denver be able to survive this series if they don't get Barton and or Harris back to solidify the defense in that backcourt? Eric, you and I talked about this earlier. I told you the key to this series is how you're going to defend screen roll. Yep. And I'm going to tell you, Donovan Mitchell is showing us who he really is. He is the same type of player as James Harden. I don't know what his true position is, right? They, they put him at the two. If you put the, your ball in your best player's hand, okay? So I'm going to look at it again real quick. James Harden, Luka Doncic, <laughs> uh, Damian Lillard, you put the ball in your best player's hand and you play. I don't know what your position is. You don't just put a guy at the point guard position in the playoffs minus a, a quality player like Mike Conley, and the guy comes up with 57 points. Now, what this is showing me is that in today's game, as long as you can if, – if you have your best player can go out and put pressure on the defense, it opens up everything else. He's that type of player. So I think you got to stay with him. I would stay oh, yeah. with him at the point guard position for the rest of his career because that's what he is. Just Mike D'Antoni just put the ball in James Harden's hand and said, we'll figure out the rest. Well, if I could get 50 points from this guy, I know I'm going past my minute. So my thing is, I don't think he can stop the guy. Now, you can contain him. They'll have to figure out how to double team. I don't know what they're going to do against Jokic. But I said it then, and I'm going to say it now. They know they can, get a, they can get a shot up in screen roll. If they're hot, the Jazz will win this series. So now mm. we got to see the adjustments that this other team is going to make. But I like Donovan as a point guard. I like what I'm seeing. And now every team in the league has got to figure out, how am I going to stop the other team's best player if he has the ball 80% of the time? That seems to be the formula, especially in this bubble. So let's go play out of it. Yep. That's a great point. Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles next to him uh, seems to be working. And uh, another scouting mistake by the New York Knicks, as they could have had Donovan in the first round of the draft. Stop it's it. all full circle today. Stop it. Rapid you, fire. You Game two. Humility, humility, my friend. <laughs> humility, my friend. <laughs> Game two, the Mavericks light up the Clippers. Paul George does not look comfortable yet. Pat Beverly is in street clothes. We're not sure when he's going to be back on the floor. BJ, you are sitting with Doc Rivers right now for lunch. What are you guys talking about together to slow no, I'm, down I'm, Dallas in game three? I'm not trying to slow him down. I, I, I'm going to live with that. I'm going to live 
with they got superior effort again from the role players right mm-hmm. trey burke was fabulous yep curry seth was terrific Terrific game for him. I and think they my had six guy, guys in double figures. My yep. guy, Boban. I mean, those were that's quality minutes. That's my, that's my guy. I love bigs. Quality minutes. Yep. Tim Hardaway Jr., excellent. So if those guys are going to play like that for three more games and shoot like that, what are you going to do? This three-point shot is for real. Because I have to, I have to give the attention that's necessary for this kid, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is the real deal. So Luka is capable of getting forty and twelve. See, he's capable because he has the ball a majority of the time, and the way their team is constructed, I'm going to give Luka every opportunity that he has the ball. To get to that basket and he can get there so if those guys are making shots like that i mean did anyone expect trey burke and these guys to shoot no not like that but if they are you got to live with it so i i expect i expect paul george to play better right i expect paul george to attack the basket get some easy shots Kawhi leonard is going to be Kawhi leonard and there's one thing about Kawhi, I will say. Kawhi will get 50, and he'll do whatever he got to do to win the game. So they'll yeah. make the proper adjustments. They're, they're tough. Doc Rivers has been in enough battles. That man's not blinking under any pressure. <laughs> and that team will figure out a way. And um, But, you know, great job. Dallas Mavericks did a great job. And Rick Carlisle has done what – you know, I've, I've been saying all along, you put the ball in your best player's hand and you play out of it. Well, right now, we talk, Luka Doncic is that player. And we talked about Carlisle and Rivers, obviously Quinn Snyder and Mike Malone. There's a lot of uh, a lot of really good, obviously the coaches are not technically matching up against each other, but um, a, a lot of good matchups in this series where there's uh, some exciting chess matches between the coaches. All right, moving through it quickly. Um, what have we learned about the Raptors so far? They blow out Brooklyn in game one, then they win in a squeaker in game two. Give me one thing you've learned about Toronto now that this new look Raptor team is officially in the playoffs trying to I'm defend just, the I, I haven't learned anything. I'm just going to remind everyone. They are the defending champions. Let's move on. Boom. <laughs> this, team Boom. Is, yep. this team is not going to beat themselves. They are excellent. On the defensive end, fundamentally, they are sound. And this guy, Nick Nurse, he's he's just, oh, yeah. he, he's just an excellent coach. So they are the defending champions. And until someone beats them, you know, they're going to continue to fight, grind, and figure it out. I mean, they, they play an excellent brand of basketball. They have a nice combination the way they play. They can defend on the perimeter. They can switch. They have superior guard play. They got bigs who shoot threes. They got bigs who can defend. They got wings. They got the package. Someone's going to have to beat them. Yeah, they and, yep. and you know what? And they don't have to shoot well to win the game. That's why I really like them. So it's going to be yep. tough, whoever, whoever plays them in the next round. But great game. Give Brooklyn credit, though. Brooklyn oh, yeah. is playing hard. 
They're undermanned. They're down. They have every excuse to fold, but they keep playing. So I'm going to give Jock Vaughn and Karis LeVert and all those guys credit because they're coming out and they're being very competitive. And uh, I want to make sure that, you know what, you know, that they get their credit because they're, they have every excuse to lose this series and they're competing for a full 48 minutes. For sure. For sure. Um, watching Fred Van Fleet play is just so enjoyable. And what a story this game Well, he's is. enjoyable because you think you're like, I'm faster than him. I'm taller than him. No, I'm I so can do slow. that. <laughs> no, he's great. He's just, you know, no, he's, just a, he's a, he's a mid, mid major and chip on the shoulder. And, you know, remember when you had to be, okay, if you're starting at the two in the NBA, you got to be 6'4 or over. And they're starting him and Lowry, and it doesn't matter, and they're sharing it, and whoever's got it going, and he's clutch. Eric has given you uh, hope. I can see it. You're like, maybe, just maybe. You got a little hope right now. 15 years younger. Um, so, again, you're listening to this. The Bucks are either tied at one or in a shocking 2-0 hole to the Magic. Big picture here. Um you had scrimmages, you had eight seeding games, you have the beginnings of the playoffs. The Bucks have uh, the bitterness of last year, the motivation to get to their franchise's first final since 74, their first title since 71. Obviously a lot riding on the future of Giannis, whether this team can win. Is it just a matter of time before the Bucks find themselves here in the playoffs? You know, Eric, I, I don't think people are, are are really talking enough, especially, you know, all of us experts who are analyzing the game. This is a new game, Eric. And and, you know, you take, for instance, I would I would be really impressed if the Orlando Magic would have went into Milwaukee's arena. Right. And played the way they played in game one on the road and 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 won that game. I mean, I would have been thoroughly impressed. I would have been. They're down a couple of players in their rotation. They're down players because of injury. And then if they would have gone on, gone into Milwaukee on the road, silenced the crowd, and done all of the things that we're normally accustomed to watching, that would have really got my attention. However, in this bubble, <laughs> a neutral court, you're just playing just a game. And... Giannis is going to have an imprint on this series. And I don't see another player that can slow him down in this series. Now, it, you know, I don't know. Maybe, you know, uh, you know, the big guy there for Orlando. Um, Vucevic. Vucevic. Maybe he can play, maybe have another game like that. I seriously doubt if he can have three more games like that. I don't know if they can play much better than what I saw in game one, but it's yep. possible. And I don't want to say they can't do it, but what I what I do know is that this kid already plays with a, a certain edge to him. Now he's going to play with this sense of desperation. And I can guarantee you that the referees are going to allow the game to be won or lost on the court. So the, as the physicality of the game grows, as the players begin to play, at some point it's going to get to the things that we discussed earlier, talent. 
Giannis has all of the talent. And the only thing that's going to offset that is you shooting threes. So I think Milwaukee is fine. I'm not worried about it. Um, but again, they got to go out there and do it. I mean, this, is, this isn't going to, you know, Orlando has showed that they are there ready to fight and give them credit for that. But I fully expect the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis in particular to push them over the top because he's just a superior talent. And I don't think, you know, they're going to be able to contain him for, you know, six more games in this series. No, and he had 31 and 17, and Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, and Brooke Lopez all did not have great games. So the spotlight is on those guys to raise their level. You know Giannis is going to be ready. And uh, speaking of things we've never seen before, the Orlando Magic have home court advantage without fans in the building because of where the games are being played. So try that on for a moment. Um, Last one. The Rockets and Thunder are finishing up game two right now. I'm not looking at the score. It was a close game in the third quarter. Westbrook sat out game one. Houston impressive without him. No, it was a close game uh, in the midst of game two. So let me ask you this. If you're Houston, does the status of the series dictate his return? Or are they going to play it safe with him and hold him as long as they possibly can until they've got to bring him back? Well, I think this is a a very delicate matter because – you know, you're going to have to repeat. And what that means is you're going to have to probably be playing every other day. So just playing one game and not being able to play in the next game will kind of throw off the the rhythm or the chemistry of the team. So I think it's probably in his best interest to figure out when he can play consecutive games so that the team and how they're going to play their rotations and they can all get the rhythm that they need. Because this team, the Houston Rockets, they're – expecting at least at the you know at the restart or at the beginning of the season to go deep into the playoffs they really feel that they have a legit chance certainly you know with those two guys playing the way they play they're going to be a tough out and they're going to do it in a non-traditional way so you know we'll see how it plays but I think it's going to be very difficult for them with not knowing the availability of one of their best players I mean, he's yep. certainly a top 10 player at the very least in this league, talking about Russell Westbrook. And so you're going to have to have the delicate balance of saying, are we going to run the risk of just saying on a day-to-day basis and your team not knowing, or let's just let him get completely healthy, know when he's ready, he'll come back and you'll throw him out there. So we'll see how they uh, how they address the situation. But um, I think they're in a, a tough matchup there with OKC, especially with Russell Westbrook not being available. Yeah, I think this series is going to go at least six. And um, as much of a great story the Thunder have been this season, a Lakers-Rockets or a Blazers-Rockets second-round matchup would be electric if uh, all bodies are healthy and on the floor. So um, good stuff today. We really got the ball moving around. Uh, You know, got stuck a little bit on the uh, the mighty Celtics and the uh, soon to be on vacation Sixers, but this was uh, this was great. Uh, I hope for your sake, I hope that the Celtics win because if they don't, you're going to be sweating it out. You're going to be sweating it out. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, I've set myself up for complete catastrophe with this one today. But I, uh, you know, sometimes you're just watching a game. And I know it's different for you because you actually played in these moments where, right. you know, I, I played in front of 600 people and you played in front of 
20,000. But you know that feeling when the team is just rising to the occasion? You can just feel like these guys are diving for every loose ball. You feel the energy. You feel the passion. Like, that's how I felt watching them last night. And that's why I love the game so much. And uh, that's what uh, that's what makes me who I am, DJ. What can I say? What Sounds can I say? Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, Closing thought from you on um, first week of the playoffs in the books. It's been great. Uh, great from the standpoint that the NBA, I mean, the most impressive thing is that the NBA is able to pull this off. And the, the, the attention to detail and the thought that had to go into everything for this to happen. And I'm just thoroughly impressed with all of the things behind the scenes. And having working with clients down there and listening to all of the things that went into this, I mean, it really is amazing that we're sitting here talking about playoff basketball in August. Yeah. And when you look around the world and, and what's going on. So, you know, my hat's off to the NBA, to all those doctors and people that are working behind the scenes. And when you watch this presentation on television, I mean, it really is an amazing the viewership is like amazing. So uh, I know the players thoroughly respected, you know, as a person who's been in the league and played in the league and still working. I just like, I'm just amazed that they're able to do this. So my impression is if there was one thing I can say, if this is the best you can get, well, the NBA did it. This has been nothing short of spectacular for these players to play. It's been competitive. It's been awesome. It's great for us to have something to talk about. And I think, um, you know, I think the players and the fans have thoroughly enjoyed it. And hopefully, um, as we are all trying to figure out our normal part, that sports somehow can play a factor in that. So uh, that's been my impression in week one. And hopefully we'll have more things to talk about. And the most impressive thing has been this guy, Damian Lillard. I mean, you know, he hits that big three last night. Or was it last night or the night before? Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night. And then two short songs, which I'm sure you're rocking probably right now. You know, Blow the Whistle, (laughs) and he starts dancing at that critical moment of the game because anyone who's been out to Oakland, that's like their anthem. So, I mean, it's just like moments like that, that, you know, he's, I mean, Damian Lillard, I mean, he is as fun as I've seen in a long time. I mean, it's been fun to just watch him and, and when the guys start doing their thing, game time, we all know what that means now. So it's been great, great storylines for the Portland Trail Blazers. You know, I don't know if that's good for the Lakers and the Laker fans, but certainly it's been fun oh, to no. watch. It's, and it's not uh, at all. It's, it's been fun to fun to see how far this thing will go. For sure. Great way to close the show. Laker fans, Sixers fans having a tough first week. We'll see how it plays out. Special thanks to the one, the only, Bruce Bernstein, picking it up today for Mike Lieber. Special thanks to Mike, as always, as well. Our editor, Tom Phillip, and the entire Pure Hoops media family. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show each and every Monday as Mike interviews some of the best in the biz. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams dropping each Tuesday. Catch and and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong coming at you Wednesdays. Buckets, boards, and blocks. Monica McNutt and King McClure. 
Thursdays and the Pirogues podcast with BJ Armstrong and yours truly, Eric Newman, coming at you usually Friday at the end of every week, especially now with the playoffs taking you through the action. And hopefully next week back on not once, but twice. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the action. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.